0: possible to return to a fulfilling challenging successful career after a long career break after listening to this story we want your answer to be a resounding yes
1: i'm anna and i'm karen we're both coaches with women returners the return to work specialists we work with employers and career returners to enable professionals to return to satisfying and fulfilling work after career breaks of 2 5 10 or even 15 years and we're excited now to share some
0: of their inspirational stories with you on our Career Returners podcast, you'll hear from a diverse range of people sharing the ups and downs of their return to work journeys after taking long career breaks for childcare, elder care, health, or other reasons. After each story, Karen and I will chat over some of the key themes that emerged and share some of our top return to work tips. And a big thank
1: you to Credit Suisse for supporting us to bring this podcast to life. Credit Suisse were one of the pioneering employers in supporting talented professionals to return to work after a career break. Their Real Returns program currently runs in the US, UK, India, and Switzerland, and
0: offers returners a smooth transition back into the workforce. After listening to this episode, do head along to womenreturners.com, where you'll find lots of advice, over 100 success stories, and a range of return-to-work opportunities. And do sign up to our free network and Facebook group too, for extra support and connection. And now, over to this week's guest.
1: I'm delighted to introduce today's guest. Yemi Morgan-Raiway. Yemi's early career in Nigeria was in project management within the oil industry, and on relocating to the UK in 2001, she moved into economic development and regeneration. She took a five-year career break, during which time she combined caring for a relative, fostering, and opening up her own small organic food manufacturing business. But she began to miss her former professional career, and in 2016, she successfully found her route back in via Enfield Council's Returnship Programme, where she joined as a Senior Strategic Project Manager. Her career continues to flourish there today. Yemi, welcome.
2: Thanks, Karen.
1: So, really interesting early career. Tell us a little bit about your career before you took a break.
2: Studied Industrial Chemistry for a first degree, then did a Master's degree in Process Engineering, And figured out the best thing for me to do was to go back to Nigeria from uh, Glasgow because nobody seemed to be able to deal with a little brown woman who claimed to be a process engineer. So I went back to Nigeria and I joined Shell, Petroleum Development Corporation in the Niger Delta. And I worked in the engineering division in Lagos looking after gas processing plants. Which is quite interesting. But after a while, the same issues that I came across being a, a female engineer took a slightly surreal turn, which was the corporate system didn't order small enough equipment so I could properly get it out. It's not that long ago, but you, you couldn't get size four and a half work boots. The smallest you could get were size six. <laughs> So oh, yes, it, it was interesting. I, I learned a lot of stuff. I did a lot of weird and wonderful things. I then went off to do what I call desk-based work since I couldn't do site-based work by joining a, a merchant bank that was setting up a department to service the oil industry. So I did that for three or four years and got coached by one of my clients to set up their operations. So I went back to the practical sides of things, but this time um, organizing what we call the first farm-out oil field in Nigeria. It's standard practice in the States, but in Nigeria, it's the big oil companies that produce oil. And this was the first time one of the larger producers had sublet their smaller fields to an indigenous company. And it was really exciting. I got to do everything from raising finance and negotiating with government, negotiating with um, communities where we're going to be producing and then making sure that the standard size oil men, the big guys from Chevron and Houston, could get everything they needed on site so they could do their work. It was a lot of fun, but the insecurity in the country generally meant that my husband and I decided that we really couldn't wait for a third time of a violent incident before we decided to come back to the UK. So that's how I ended up as a, potential returner candidate, I moved back to the UK 20 years ago, and I started working in economic development, as you said, and regeneration. I really enjoyed it. I got to work with communities. I got to do economic development. I got to do what I call holistic regeneration, which is not just doing the physical environment stuff, but making sure that you provide uh, communities with the resources they require. To maintain and improve on that uh, renewal going forward. And then family circumstances dictated that I stepped back from work a bit. Uh, It it coincided with the end of one of the projects I was working on, which was uh, the London, North London Strategic Partnership. Did those things, looked after my mother in law, fostered, still foster, and then set up a little workshop to make my favorite foods and then realized that as good as I was at making the food, I was absolutely rubbish at selling it. So I decided I needed to to do something that I really enjoyed. And I loved working. I mean, there was no, it wasn't about the work. It was just about the circumstances. What opportunities are there in region? And the opportunities were there, but I couldn't access them because I was what we now call a returner. And that's how I accidentally, by good luck and fortune, came across the returner program four years ago, almost to the day, in fact. And um, yes, I'm a very happy returner and I'm a great campaigner for the Women Returners Program. And that's why I'm here with you to talk about it today.
0: That's wonderful. Great to hear, Yemi. And what a, what a fascinating early career. I spent a few years myself actually working for Shell, though not in, not in Nigeria, based more in the UK, but really interesting to hear that career. Um, progression, the reason for your move back to the UK, and also the reasons for your career break. And it's a good reminder that, you know, often people assume that career breaks that tend to be taken by people may be caring for young children. But of course, there are so many different reasons that could be caring for a relative, it could be for relocation, it could be for ill health. You know, there are there is all sorts of reasons. And I think you're a great illustration of that. Tell us a little bit about if you think about your career break, what skills and strengths did you develop while you were on
2: your career break? I'd like to think patience. Most people who know me, I, I tend to do the things quickly. And you can't do that when you're caring for somebody who's, who's very sick. You just have to, you literally just have to sit still and be patient. And I think also a huge increase in my level of emotional intelligence, and that's the one that has really stood me in good stead, coming back to work. To be honest, before my career break, I was a technician who got things done. And I really didn't, I, I didn't consider the, the the people factor. I always used to think, well, it's work, go and do it. You know, the reasons why you're not doing it were secondary. And now I tend to approach it the other way around. I sort of look at people and try and assess where they're at before I start making my demands. It has it has been a great strength in in, in my new role. I'm, I'm the strategic program manager, which means that I don't, in a sense, do things, you know, the hard things, the physical things. I don't do that. My job is to make sure that the people that are, are supposed to do it, do it are getting it done and are reporting appropriately. And I don't think I would have... Being successful without that career break and the lesson you taught me about patience and understanding people and being, being alert to not just the work, but what else is going on around you. And the second thing is you need to admit defeat when you're done. <laughs> if you can't do it, just put up your hand and say, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, It's not my strong suit. It's not what makes me happy. It was nice making products and it was nice seeing people's faces, but the work you have to do in order to persuade people to buy from you in preference to somebody else is not somewhere where I'm comfortable
1: Thanks, Jamie. And and I can see the sort of rich variety of emotional intelligence that you built and understanding and patience and and working with people, which has really helped you in your career now um, at Enfield Council. But um, taking you back to those early days of when you decided that The food manufacturing business, you know, was, had been great, but it's not something you wanted to continue with going forwards. Tell us a little bit about your experience of trying to get back to your sort of more professional career. What were some of the the challenges that you faced in that journey?
2: It was very difficult because I started off with, I'm not, I'm not really, this isn't working for me. My mother-in-law had died. The fostering situation had settled down. And I thought, well, yes, OK, you know, and dusted off my CV, refreshed it with the skills that I had gained doing the food manufacturing and sent it to, in the first instance, the agencies I used to use and then applied for jobs. And well, in three years, quite a lot of my consultants had become very senior and they were only recruiting directors. And second, I kept getting... Your, your CV is not current. And I was like, mm, I don't quite understand that. And, you know, and I just moved on. And then this three months, four months, five months, six months, nine months into this, I was in a fair state of panic because by this time I'd actually packed up the business and I was depressed. I wasn't functioning very well. And it was just sort of, no, 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 this is not good. You know, I mean, it got to the point where I had to sit in front of my GP and say, look, something is going on. This is not normal. And he said, well, you sound to me like you're depressed. They put me on antidepressants. And because the waiting list for sort of non-tablet and non-medicated therapy was something like 18, 18 months in my area. So it, it was getting to the point where I, I was like, really down, really fed up the antidepressants helped me get out of bed. I didn't know what to do. I had reviewed my CV. I'd got all the sort of expert CV writing help that I could find. I would dusted off my contacts. I went back out to the networking groups, but it was just nothing, which was quite unnerving because by this time, I mean, I'd probably been working for well over 20 years. And I'd never been unemployed out, you know, if I wasn't working, it was my choice. I'd chosen not to be working. I was on maternity leave, I'd finished one contract and I was taking some time out before I started another one. So just about six months with no buy my CV was really scary, really scary. And my poor husband didn't know what to do with me because he knows his wife has to work. You know, she's not a fun person to be around. she's bloody miserable to be around. With. And um, so we were really trying to hold it together. And I, I, I was in a bad way. So finding the returner program, and I mean, the interview was because what Enfield did was offer the returner programs to head of service who had the roles they were having difficulty in filling, and they interviewed us as a batch and then sent us various departments where they thought we would fit, having then, it was only when you got to the interview, you actually got the sort of job description that they, they thought you would fit. And I remember being absolutely, totally excited because that CV was, was written for me. <laughs> so the, the job description was written for me. It was everything that I wanted to do, everything that I liked to do and everything that I was good at doing. So I think the interview went quite well. The best bet was the support that the returner program offered. I was a cohort of five. We all discovered through the coaching sessions, we all had the same challenges and the same issues. Despite the fact that we were a broad range, there were people with young children, as you said. There were people, us older ones, whose latest caring responsibilities with, were not children. And it was just amazing. It was a safe space to talk about all of the things that were worrying you, that your concerns. And it just made going back to work really, really easy because all the anxiety that had built up through a process of not getting any interview offers, let alone job offers, all that anxiety that had built up, even though some of it was dissipated by successfully getting a job. The anxiety was still there. I mean, you oh, they tell me my, my, my CV's out of date. Am I still going to be able to do it? Am I still, I mean, <laughs> I, I'll make you laugh. One of the things that I did never, ever got on with, even when I, my CV was current, were phone systems and photocopiers. It, it, everybody will print and it will be fine. I'll go there and the photocopier will jump. So even those things that, I, you know, will I still have trouble with the photocopiers? Will I be able to transfer a call from, my desk to somebody else's? Will I be able to find my way around the building in a reasonable uh, frame of mind, in a reasonable time frame? My sense of direction can be a bit pants. And will I still have the lingo? Will I be able to get on with the people? How am I going to organize my work-life balance? What, what do I need And all of those questions, they're stuck in the back of your head. But what the coaching does is bring them out to the surface so you can deal with them and they stop being a worry. But but I think the fact that it was a safe space for all of us was just the best thing. And it meant that you could strive back into work with your head, your shoulders back, your head high, and go and do what you know how to do, even though it's been a while since you did it in this particular context. I, I tell everybody who has been out of work and says to me, "I want to go back to work." I just the only thing I say to them is, "Find yourself a returner program." No, if there are other alternatives out there, I am not interested. I know the women returner program that I was part of. It works. It works. It it empowers you. It energizes you. It reassures you, and it helps you to put your best foot forward in. The shortest
0: possible time i think that's wonderful for us to hear Yuri. you know you of course what we hope to do with the coaching when we are working with organizations and and with returners like yourself is I like that the kind of you know, it energizes you it empowers you and I love that description of you being able to walk with your you know your shoulders back your head held high it's such a it's a lovely image and I think that all those doubts you articulated so well, are so common with people that we see as they're coming back to work. You know, thank you for sharing them. And you talked a bit about, you know, while you were on career break, you know, feeling low and and, and depressed and, you know, you know, wondering whether you might make it back to work to that point in then time of, you know, four months in, then bringing the timeline forward, you're feeling back up to speed. You know, how were you feeling then at that point in time?
2: I was excited. I, I work on a really exciting program. It's a bit nerdy, but we're building a new town. There's all kinds of considerations. And I, I was totally energized by this. I mean, we were, we were going to be doing it in a different way that other people were doing it. So the, the work was exciting. Inside, I, I felt I was okay. The fact that I, I knew that a lot of my depression was attributable to the fact that I wasn't working. But I was not a year into antidepressants. I wanted to come off them. But my doctor advised caution no cold turkey. We took it slowly, got off it. And it just, I'm in a good place. I'm in a happy place. I I like what I do, which I guess is one of the things I was looking for. I mean, I had no real caring responsibilities. My children were grown, Where they'd left home. What was I going to be doing for for the rest of my life kind of question? this Process allowed me to answer that in a positive way. Yes, you can still be productive. You can still do what you want to do. It's not the end because your children are grown and you stop working for four or five years while you were doing other things. So it took me back to the person I recognize. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And that's wonderful to hear, Yemi. Really wonderful. And then you talk so much about needing to enjoy what you do and feel infused and energized by it. I guess now, nearly four years back at work, tell us a little bit about what you love about your current work. And what you enjoy about it? Okay.
2: One of the things that I love about my job is I work with some very clever people. They are amazing, and they, without focusing all that brain power into making a difference for their community on a large scale. So we're not just building 10,000 homes. We are making sure we create at least 6,000 good value homes, that the homes are properly spaced, that it's a place for people to live rather than for people to exist. So it's really, really, the big picture is really exciting. The minutiae of it, is equally exciting, frustrating, infuriating, every adjective you can imagine, because we are trying to build a new town as a local authority. We are the master developers. It's not a model that local authorities normally do, or they normally do, hand it all over to a developer to sort on their behalf. But we're actually doing it, and we're basically just employing contractors and partners to help that. So... On the one hand, it's a very sort of building houses. It's private sector, but it's a public sector doing, doing it. So, and I sit at the junction of that private sector, public sector. I, th- I love it. I really love it. I know how to do it. I sort of getting older and w- the younger me would focus on, if there were problems, I'll focus on the technical detail. You know why is this here? What's wrong with that? You know, and then, well, the older me will first, first look at the set of people that are supposed to be delivering this, and making sure that in, they're in a paid in a space that they can actually deliver it, so that whatever kind of relationship it is they have, it works. So they agree on what technical issues need to be addressed, because that's one of the other challenges. Sometimes. The, the, the problem is not what is the problem, the problem is what does everybody agree that the problem is. So I love all of that. It's good fun.
0: That's <laughs> wonderful, and it's wonderful for you know to hear actually that joy that of finding work that aligns with your purpose and your values, where you know you feel like you're making a difference. And I'd be really interested to hear one of the things we sometimes um, hear from returners is that. Coming back to work can sometimes be a bit of a challenge to find a sense of balance between your work and your your broader life if you've been off work for a little while as you had been. When you returned to work, what have you found, what did you find was difficult perhaps in terms of maintaining that balance or what did you find helped you maintain your balance when you came back to work?
2: Very simply, my husband said to me, and it was the day before I started work, I know you're really happy and you're really excited and you're happy to be going back to work and I'm really happy for you to go back to work. But can we ask a favour? I said, what's that? Him and my son. He said, when you come home, and you put your key in the door. Can you leave it all outside, please? <laughs> I promised I would. And that made a huge difference. I mean, I said earlier about the sort of younger me and the older me and the, the, the value of patience that I learned during my time off. Because before, before my time off, I'd come back from work. And if I'd had a bad day, I'd come in the house, throw my bag down and go on, on a rant about what didn't work or Who are knowing you? What's wrong? You know, it, it. I'd bring the stress back home, and I didn't realize that it was having a negative impact on, on my um, family. Because I mean, th- that's what I did. I got upset. I let you know about it. I got it off my chest, and that was it. Done. I didn't realize it was making other people anyway. So I, I, I didn't bring work home, which was really great, actually. And I kept it up. I still didn't bring work home until about a month before lockdown. Don't bring work home. And that way, even, even if I've had a stressful day, the fact that I'm not going to go over, even if I wanted to, I can't go over it at home, made for quite nice. So I wasn't coming home and bringing my stress home and stressing everybody. And, well, yeah, that was it really. But I started work four years ago. My daughter was already in uni. My son was already doing his A-level. We all did our own things and came, came together at the weekend, maybe. My, my husband, uh, he's semi-retired and he very kindly agreed to take the lead on the fostering. Fostering is not stressful. Dealing with social care is stressful. So he does that and um, he's at home. My de-stress method for when I come home, is to cook. So <laughs> it been a really say hello to everybody, pour myself a glass of wine and cook up a storm in the kitchen. By the time I come out, everything is calm. So, yeah, it, it, the main thing was separating work from home, for me anyway. I didn't need to do rotors and things. I didn't have kids to pick up or any of those things. So it was really just sort of keeping... Working its boundaries and home.
1: I think some really good advice there, Miyemi, in terms of not bringing work home with you and de-stressing by cooking up a storm in the kitchen, which is a win-win <laughs> for everybody, I think. And I, I, I think looking back now over your long career and your four years now at Enfield Council, what are some of the things you would say that you feel most proud of, both personally and professionally, in your return to work journey? I think professionally,
2: I'm most proud of the team. I take additional pride because I, when I started, there was like 12 people. We're now nearly 50. And I led the recruitment for most of them. And I have a team that in the main gels and is focused. I like to think that some of the credit for that is down to changing the way we interview to a behavior based ones rather than just pure skills. and. And I think being the hub for the recruitment mean, has meant that we have been able to acquire a coherent team that sort of has a common ethos. I think that's the phrase I mean. I know the modern phrase is probably purpose, but I like the word ethos because it 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 combines for me, you know, the ethics of the thing as well as the way you do it. I'm very proud of that. And I'm very proud of I'm proud of my particular team and the way they They deal with the pressure of work and sort of having to be, as my aunt the glue function. On a personal level, I have to say I'm most proud of my kids. I turn around and, I mean, the last six years, since their grandma died anyway, it's, it's 10 years. It's been really challenging for them. You would never know it, and they've turned out into really decent, nice human beings. I'm, i i I'm really proud. <laughs>
0: I think we're all hugely proud of our, I have three kids myself, Yumi. they're a bit younger than yours, but I agree, get me started to talk about them, but I I will, I'm very proud of them as well, so I totally understand. I'd love to hear what advice would you have, you know, you've talked a bit about the returner program, but what other advice would you have for people who are are on a career break, who are looking to return back to work?
2: I think one of the more important things is, is to find out, try and Understand what you want and what you need from your workplace, sort of in advance of going back. Because when when you take a break and you go back, whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't de-skill you. What it does, it just disorganizes you a bit in terms of the workplace, you know. And you're no longer used to doing things in a certain way. In the work. So try and work out what it is that you want and need from working it's so important. You need to understand what makes you happy and what makes you unhappy in the workplace. You need to find a balance. There's more to life than work. But at the same time, there is a certain satisfaction that work gives that nothing else does. So just understand, try and understand where your balance is with that. But most of all, try not to go back to stuff that gave you anxiety when before your break. Because you're an accountant, doesn't have doesn't mean you have to go back to work as an accountant. You can go back to work doing something else with numbers, or if it's the accounting that makes you happy. What else would I say? Always make sure you eat properly. It, it sounds simple. They sort of grab a cup of coffee in the mo- morning and send your blood sugar, sorry, and crash mid-afternoon. Just, you know, try and understand how your body works and make sure your, your sugar levels are, are balanced. So maybe small meals often if that's your kind of metabolism or... But yeah, eat properly. Eat properly, sleep properly. If you can, find a coach. Coaches can be expensive if you're not part of a program. But even if all you do is go online and read up on some sort of um, self-care. Self-care and finding something you love. Wonderful, thanks.
0: They're great pieces of advice. And I think, you know, although often... People talk about yes, we know we need to sleep properly. We know we need to eat properly. You know those kind of are the basics. They're really easy to say, but they're much harder to do. Yes, and they at are. that time of kind of transition back to work, when you are going through often you know quite tough times, as you said, you, know, you have to be you know, you had to be really resilient to get through coming back to work and then a lot of change. Those fundamentals become actually really important. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today, and I think. For me, it's just such an illustration that the roller coaster of a journey that returning to work can be from actually those real lows for you personally through to actually the highs of coming back and finding really your purpose, people who share the same ethos and, and finding that love and joy back in work again. So, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
2: Thank you very much for talking to me.
1: I loved hearing Yemi's story, Anna, and one of the parts that really resonated from coaching other returners was hearing Yemi talk so honestly about all the doubts she had when she first returned to work after her career break.
0: Yeah, and she was so honest and open about them, wasn't she? You know, Things like, you know, am I going to be out of date? Can I remember how to talk professionally? You know, all the terminology, all the lingo. And she was also had those doubts, you know, how will I manage my work-life balance?
1: Yeah, and there was also how will I cope with the new technology? Will I be able to find my way around, and you know, when will I ever get back up to speed again? And
0: we hear those doubts all the time from returners, and many more doubts as well. And I think it's really helpful to know that if you are feeling those doubts, that that is totally normal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But sometimes what we find is that those doubts and fears can build up,
0: and it can make you start to feel really anxious. So it's worth thinking about what you maybe can do to to help to manage those doubts. So certainly one thing that can help is to practically address some of the doubts. So if, for example, you're feeling nervous about your technology skills, take the time to maybe do a short technology upskilling course. So, you know, you get more familiar with things like the Microsoft Office Suite or Slack or Zoom. If you have some doubts about the professional terminology, the language, even getting back up to speed, take some time to read publications, articles, or or chat to people in your field, your function, so that you start just to get a bit more familiar again with the language.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, as well as those really valuable practical pointers, what can also really help is remembering to be kind to yourself, rather than focusing on the worst case or or listening to that inner critic voice, which is is always harsh and demoralising. Try to dial down the volume of that inner critic if you can and and listen instead to your inner mentor. So that's that kind, supportive, encouraging, wise voice, the voice that you would use if you were talking to a friend, encouraging a friend, as chances are that that's going to be so much more helpful in reminding you how much progress you've already made.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as as Yemi said herself, doubts are totally normal. Um, We find all returners have lots of them. But in terms of helping you to manage those, you recognise that you've got them. Try to address them in practical ways if you can, but also be kind to yourself as you go through your return to work journey. Thanks for joining us today. And we really hope that this story will inspire
1: you to take the next step in your own return to work journey. Do tell your friends and family about the Career Returners podcast. And when you get a moment, we'd love you to subscribe, rate and review it on
0: Apple Podcasts. A big thank you again to Credit Suisse for supporting us to create this podcast series. Credit Suisse has supported professionals on a career break to successfully return to work for many years. Take a look at their Real Returns program if you're thinking about returning to work. With a focus on transferable skills, the program has been important in opening new career directions for returners across the years. And if you're looking for
1: more advice and guidance in your own return to work journey, we're here to support you. Visit us at womenreturners.com and sign up to our free returners network to hear about returner opportunities and join our growing community of returners in our Facebook group.
0: We look forward to you joining us again for the next episode of the Career Returners podcast.